Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to the astrology of March 2022. Um, I am testing out a new uh, tech setup here today, so hopefully everything will go smoothly. I, I have uh, interesting fleshy tones in, in this new camera here, so um, hopefully it looks good to all of you. Uh, if you are joining us here today, in, from wherever you are in the world, please uh, let me know in the chat and um, tell us where you're stopping in from. Always love seeing everyone stopping by and where you're joining us from different parts of the world. Uh, I see we've got a few people stopping in already. Uh, we've got Andrea is coming from Croatia. Welcome, Andrea. Uh, Jody is here from South Florida. Mariana is joining us from Argentina. Welcome, Ar Mariana. Uh, Lynn is w stopping in from Vermont. Welcome, Lynn. Rachel is stopping in from Ireland, uh, the far north of the island, but it's still bright this evening. There's been snow, and yet I sense spring is on the way. Yes, I agree. Uh, spring is on the way, and hopefully we'll be able to uh, navigate the transition to spring and the spring equinox through uh, the month of March. So, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of March, uh, one thing that I would like to do is give you a few heads up on some things that are uh, happening in, in um, my world here astrologically and turn you on to some uh, opportunities to learn uh, more about the fundamentals of astrology. Um, I have a new webinar coming up in March uh, on the Decans of Pisces. So if you are interested in learning more about the Pisces archetypes that we are going to discuss here today, I do a really deep dive into these um, myths, into the tarot, into the diamonds or spirits associated with each of the signs, and I've been doing that for the last few months uh, since, since Virgo season. So we will be diving into the myths of Pisces. Um, you can also sign up for a winter bundle if you'd like to get the Capricorn and Aquarius replays sent to you as well. So there is a link for that in the description of this video if you'd like to sign up. You can also use the coupon code PISCES20 until March 1st uh, if you want to save 20% off of either the bundle or the Decans of Pisces webinar. So I hope to see all of you there. And um, I'm really enjoying all the conversations that we've been having as a group and, and the community that we're building, as well as going on these deep dives of these archetypes of the signs and of the planets and of the myths. Um, one other thing that I wanted to turn you on to is there's been a lot of talk in the um, metaphysical community lately about different um, corporate platforms potentially changing the rules of their uh, algorithms. Uh, that may be affecting um, divinatory practitioners like tarot and astrology. Uh, but I think some of that may be a little bit um, slightly overblown. But if you would like to uh, make sure that we stay connected through all of our channels, um, the best thing you can do uh, to stay up to date on everything is to sign up for the Spencer Michaud Astrology Newsletter. That way I can keep in touch with all of you. We can all, uh, I can keep you updated on classes, I can keep you updated on reading offerings, new articles, new opportunities. That's the best way. There's a link in the description of this video as well to sign up for the Spencer Michelle Astrology 
newsletter. So I would highly recommend that if you're not um, signed up already. And please, of course, make sure you like these videos and subscribe to the channel. Okay, I think that's most of the business that we had going on here. Yeah, it's, it's interesting times right now in the metaphysical community. I took my turn as a, a, an account on Instagram that got cloned and somebody was trying to scam some of uh, my audience for money. And um, I'm really sorry if that happened to you. That That's something that's been going around in the metaphysical community. And it's really that breach of trust is really disappointing and it makes me really sad. So uh, I'm sorry if that happened to you. Um, please, uh, just a public service announcement. Uh, no legitimate uh, practitioner will solicit you for a reading or for money in the direct messages of Instagram, Facebook, or anything else like that. Um, I, I will solicit you directly here on these uh, YouTube videos if I want to advertise something. Um, but but that's, that's never a way that we are going to reach out. Um, generally, uh, the best way to get a hold of us is on our, on our websites. A lot of us have... Uh, scheduling apps that we use. I use something called Acuity uh, and reaching out directly via email. Um, you can reach me at spencermichaudastrology at gmail.com. So again, um, I'm sorry if that happened and uh, kind of the heads up moving forward is none of us are going to solicit you for a reading or for money um, in the direct messages. Now what I will say is I do like talking to all of you in some of those direct message places. Uh, I like sharing animal and cat videos and um, funny memes and, um, you know, things having to do with the planet sometimes. So uh, I, I do enjoy speaking with all of you. So if you want to follow on Instagram or whatnot and and um, interact and commune in that way, I'm all about it. But I'll never ask you for money. Uh, so that being said, if you want, would like to legitimately support the work that I do here, there is a little dollar sign in the chat box of the this YouTube channel and this YouTube chat today that's called a super chat or a super sticker. That's a great way to support the work that we do here. Um, and it'll highlight a question or whatnot if you have. Okay, so that's the business that we've got going on for today. We've got more people stopping in in the chat. Thank you so much for, for being here today. Um, I'm checking in on that. Rachel says, we are already global. Yes, I love the global audience we have here. Uh, Jennifer is stopping in from Florida. Tarja is here from Finland, only briefly. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Even if you're stopping in just for your lunch break today, that's awesome. Uh, Susanna is here from Finland as well. JJ is stopping in. Um, Rachel is saying that the newsletter helped her stay in sync with the live today. Yeah, that's true. I send out maybe one newsletter a week generally, unless there's some special event that's going on. So I try not to spam people with that, but it does help you, you know, keep a, keep an eye out for these lives when they happen. So you don't miss out. Um, uh, Maria is here from Belgrade, Serbia. I hope that I'm saying your name correctly, Maria. Uh, thank you for, for joining us all today. All right. So, Let's dive in to the astrology of March. So, some big picture thoughts that I have for the astrology of March. We have a new moon and a full moon uh, happening on the 2nd of March, respectively, and the 18th of March. So, we have a, a 12 degree uh, Pisces new moon that's going to be conjunct Jupiter. 
So that's really important. And Jupiter is in really good shape. Jupiter is going to be in its home sign of Pisces. So it's a really interesting new moon we're going to see at the very beginning of the month. Uh, and then the full moon will be happening in the third decan of Virgo, where the moon will be in the third decan of Virgo, opposite the sun in the third decan of Pisces. So we may be really trying to figure out how we're going to bring our dream into reality at that full moon. We've got the, the seed of a wish or a dream that we, might be planted at that new moon in Pisces um, and trying to figure out what is and what isn't possible in um in, in the real world, we have, a, we have a, a dream world, we have an idealistic vision world that we're able to like conceive ideas from, like Jupiter would beget uh, children. But then we have to figure out what is possible within the physical limitations that we live within. And that can be painful. There can be some divine discontent associated with uh, figuring out what is or isn't possible. But I think that ultimately, what March may be holding in store for us is trying to come into an equilibrium or a balance between what is and what isn't possible. And I think that when we can dream something and then we, when we can come into acceptance as far as what, what we can actually do, that's when we're really going to be powerful. Um, I think something else that I would say as a big picture thought for March is that we are... Let me think about how to put this. Um, sometimes when we have a vision, we like to dictate how we want to see it carried out. And I think the key with Pisces, mid-Pisces season, is you can have the vision, you can uh, co-create and ask the universe for what you want. Um, and then sometimes you have to let go of control and um, accept what spirit or the divine brings you and that that acceptance i think is a really big part of pisces season as well so i think that you know dreaming but also letting go of the need to control the process so this is an essence over form type of experience that we're dealing with which is what i talk about a lot on this channel all right so we will find peace through that acceptance. So the new moon on the 2nd, full moon on the 18th. We've got a number of ingresses uh, over the course of the month. An ingress is when a planet moves into a new sign, and the energy changes. We can feel the shift of that pretty significantly. Uh, on the 6th of March, we have both Mars and Venus moving into Aquarius. Those two planets have been kind of traveling together recently. Uh, we, As I'm recording this, we just had the first Venus-Mars conjunction in Capricorn uh, in the second decade of Capricorn where the resources that we needed met with the, the ability to take action with those resources and we're building, starting to build our vision. Um, you know, I, I had some tech upgrades here that finally were able to manifest and I was able to begin to put them into use. So that was an example in my own life of how uh, the resources were meeting the intention. So we'll have another conjunction of Mars and Venus at the beginning of the month as well when those two planets change signs. So I'll, I'll talk about how that might be different this time around um, as we get into the, the details of the forecast. Uh, on the 9th of March, Mercury is going to be moving into Pisces. Now that is a challenging position for Mercury. That is a place where Mercury is said to be in its detriment 
or in its fall. Uh, actually, it's in its exile and its fall, which is a, uni- a really unique um, condition for a planet. It's the only planet that, that is at both uh, exile and fall in the same sign. So it's a really challenging place for Mercury. It doesn't mean that you can't uh, utilize that energy if you understand how to, uh, but generally a lot of our emotions are going to be coloring our thought processes. It'll be harder to separate out the, the rational and the emotional parts of ourselves. So a lot of our emotions may be coloring the way that we're thinking about things. Uh, Pisces is generally a sign that, that it has difficulty with boundaries. It's actually about merging with consciousness, merging with the divine. And Mercury is a planet that likes to separate things out into categories. So it, it's, it has a difficult um, row to hoe, so to speak, in Pisces. So I think what I would recommend overall with that is making sure that you're checking all of your details when you're trying to you know, enact your great vision. Um, also make sure that you're not getting over emotional about things that really need a clear, rational mind. That's another thing to really keep in mind as we move forward through this month. Uh, and ch- double check everything. I think that it's uh, it's something where a lot of misunderstandings can come up because we haven't clarified well enough. So don't make assumptions. You know, get clarity. Double check all of your details. Uh, Mercury and Pisces is really great for poetic consciousness, though, and metaphor consciousness. So it is seeing the meaning behind the facts, behind the details. Okay, so there can there is ways to utilize this where we can, um, you know, really prosper with that energy. But again, there's 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 uh, pitfalls that could be waiting for us if we're not aware of them. On the twentieth of March, the sun's going to move into Aries, and that's our spring equinox. So we're going to be kind of looking at a whole new season where. Uh, we're going to feel really uh, enthusiastic. Our passion will be ignited. The days will start becoming longer than the nights again. Uh, so it, it is a really interesting time of year and a time of renewal and of individuation. So a- after we've gone through this process of finding what our higher purpose is during Pi- Pisces season, we can start taking action on it and, and seeing the results of it starting to manifest in the physical world during the, the, the spring season of Aries. On the 27th of March, we're gonna see Mercury moving into Aries. So that's an improvement in Mercury's condition. Um, it, it's sort of a neutral place for Mercury, but neutral is better than being debilitated uh, in Mercury's case. Uh, a couple other big picture thoughts that I have for the month. We've got a couple solar phases that are really important. On the 5th of March, we have Jupiter's Kazemi moment, where Jupiter is said to be in the heart of the sun at 14 degrees of Pisces. So that is a renewal for the, the both the Pisces and the Sagittarian area of your chart. So that's something to really keep an eye on um, as far as that planet providing resources for those two areas of your life. So there, there's this you know concept called lichen girding, where a planet is going to be providing resources for two different signs or topics within your life. So like, for example, Jupiter is going to be providing resources for both Pisces and Sagittarius. Saturn provides resources for both Aquarius and Capricorn. Uh, Venus for Libra and Taurus and Mars for Aries and Scorpio. Um, You know, and, and, and so on and so forth. Mercury also provides resources for Virgo and Gemini. 
Um, both of the lights only rule one one sign. So Sun, Leo, Moon, uh, Cancer. But this will be a really pivotal moment for seed planting, for wish making. I don't always say that. I don't always I, I, the whole wish making thing with New Age consciousness is not something that I'm always like super into. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Or I used to think a lot more about um, creating your own reality. Um, as you get older, sometimes reality will set in and you you come against the, the limitations of what is or isn't possible. That being said, the sign of Pisces and Jupiter and Pisces in general is actually, especially in the second decan of Pisces, the second decan is, is a really fertile place for making a wish for imagining and dreaming what is possible and then allowing the the universe or nature to take over so that fifth of of march moment may be really a pivotal point um the danger with that is that there is a little bit of a danger of overconfidence with that placement as well so i guess uh stay temperate with with your your dream and um you know go through the process, go through the phases and the stages of it and the, the good steps. Um, we are going to have a conjunction of the sun with uh, Neptune on the 13th. So that'll be interesting. I'll talk about that when we get to uh, that part of the show. Um, Mercury is going to be going under the beams on the 16th of March uh, and at its morning set. So an even more difficult position for Mercury uh, throughout the month. And then on the 25th, uh, Jupiter is going to make its heliacal morning rise at 19 degrees of Pisces, which is really when Jupiter becomes visible again. So a lot of the things we're working on behind the scenes may start to maybe be able to see visible results of that as well. Uh, the as far as the transits go, um, the things that are sticking out to me are uh, we've got some conjunctions of Mars and Venus with Pluto at the beginning of the month. Um, Venus is also going to make that second conjunction with Mars around the first week or so. And then we're going to have some squares between Venus and Uranus and Mars and Uranus um, towards the end of the month. So that, that, that could be some shakeups that we might be experiencing. I think the other thing we'll see too is both Mercury and Venus are going to be taking their turns um, squaring the nodes of the moon. And that's a, a thing called being at the, the bending of the nodes. And in this case, both Mercury and Venus are at the, the north bending of the nodes where we have a turning point. Um, and we saw this very recently at our most recent full moon in, uh, in Leo, where the sun was at about 27 degrees of Aquarius and it was squaring the nodes of the moon. So we had a choice to make in, the, in particular in the, in the Leo and Aquarius area of our chart and now the, the Mercury and Venus ruled areas of our chart are going to have go through the same choice making type of thing, the same transitional energy. So it, it is a, a, a very an interesting month. Um, there's some, uh, I think it's kind of a sort of a calm before the storm type of month on some level. We're going to talk about the hexagram number 53 today, which is moving to 44. 53 is called gradual progress. So we may need to take it easy and take it step by step. Uh, and 44 is called temptation. So there may be some small seeds of corruption that come into the into the picture if we're not paying attention to the details. I think that's really important. Um, the animal that we have for this this month is the camel. 
So I'll talk about camel significations, but mostly it's about um, storing up your energy and building up your reserves and trusting yourself. Um, you know, you've got everything that you need within you, which is really a, a very Piscean thing too. One of the things that I think is really liberating about learning about Pisces is when we start to have a consciousness sort of like Neo in the matrix, we understand that um, a lot of our thoughts and a lot of the way that we view our reality can either be a prison or it can be something that we can work with. So as I'm recording this, the sun has just moved into the first decan of Pisces. So happy Pisces season, everyone, as we're recording this. And what we may be experiencing as we go through the first stages of Piscean consciousness is a little bit of a dissatisfaction with where we may be at. The first decan of Pisces is ruled by Saturn. So you can see in this first decan of Pisces, we've got an eight, an eight of cups experience. This is the tarot card that is, is related to that decan. And you can see a figure that's going off into the wilderness, into the unknown, leaving behind this material success. Austin Coppa calls that deck in the labyrinth. So this is a, um, this is a, a place that we're at in the, before we get into the month of March where we've been, we, maybe we've been grinding away in, in Aquarius land or we've been feeling the separation of Aquarius and of Saturn. And now we're in a Jupiter place. We're in a place that is trying to unify things once again. Jupiter is a planet that brings order. It's an order bringer. You know, Saturn likes to separate. It likes to castrate and separates, you know, sky from Earth. Um, it likes to isolate us. And as we get into Jupiter season, we're, we're kind of um, bringing things back together and restoring peace. The, the beginning of that, though, may come from a dissatisfaction in our life. So if you're feeling that, today and the this beginning stirrings of this before we hit march that's okay it's it's a signal for you to to go internal to go into the inner workings of your mind and really explore what brings you meaning i think that's really one of the the gists of pisces is how do you find meaning in your life in the thema mundi pisces was associated with the ninth house and the ninth house is is a cadent house near the angle that is what happens before we take action out in the world? So before we take action in the, maybe in the Aries spring equinox, we have to figure out what our why is and why we're doing the things that we're doing. What is motivating us? Where's our passion? How can we bring a plan together before taking action on it so that it is effective? So that's, that's a, something that to really consider as we move into the beginning of March here. I'm taking a look at the chat here. Thank you, everyone, for, for sharing your where you're coming from here and, and joining us today. Uh, we've got Rachel is saying, uh, I have three important placements in Pisces and three in Virgo, so it's a topic I know very well. <laughs> Good. I'm glad that this will be, be personal for you as well. Um, Aligning Light is here. Hello, Claire from uh, Illinois joining us today. Uh, Claire... Dr. Claire Moon had a really nice talk with my good friend C.V. Henriette uh, on Instagram Live the other day, so check that out. Both of them are, are brilliant astrologers as well, and always love hearing from them. Uh, Age of Joy is, is joining us from mighty Canada. Uh, th their solar return is falling on March 2nd this year. Can't wait to listen. Okay, so a lot of the things we're talking about this year, uh, this month, will have a, a, a meta cycle for you for the year. 
uh, Bonnie is telling us to buckle up or that, that, that she is buckling up, which is awesome. Um, Rachel is pointing out that the camel represents carrying your burdens with grace. That, that's a great point, uh, Rachel. I think that that is true. We may have some things that we're feeling, um, having some difficult feelings around, especially with Mercury moving through Pisces. And how do we, like you said, how do we carry those things without losing our sense of centeredness, right? Uh, RC is here and says, mm -hmm, feeling the dissatisfaction for sure. I think the overkill version of Saturnian consciousness is primarily seeing what's wrong with your life instead of what's right. Excited to make a shift. Yes, that's a great way of thinking about it, RC. Um, yeah, we, we can overdo any of the planetary influences. And one thing that I've been learning through my exploration of the Deccans and of the tarot specifically is we can think of the tarot uh, in a linear fashion. We can think of the zodiac in a linear fashion, or we can think about it as the beginning, uh, the middle, and the end, which is linear, I guess. But we can think about the middle Deccan of each sign, maybe being the idealized version of that sign. Where, where we have imbalances on the on the other two decans. So we may have an imbalance of dissatisfaction in Pisces 1. We have the, the satisfied feeling where we've come to acceptance. I think that's the real key in Pisces 2. And then here we have this idealized vision of the 10 of cups. Okay, we go 8, 9, and 10 of cups in Pisces. All right, where we're willing to make a sacrifice for our ideals. And, and there's there's danger in that too. If we get too idealistic, we can end up um, chasing a dream that brings us sorrow. So uh, that, that's something really uh, important to keep in mind is there, there is a balance to be struck within every sign. Um, I think in, in Aquarius, the balanced point was making a transition, was moving from one point of consciousness to another. And, you know, we have the dissatisfaction we saw in the beginning of that sign. And then the you know, maybe the, the destabilized energy in the, in the third decan of Aquarius. So again, I think it's really important to really meditate on the middle decans of a sign to find the right balance uh, of that, that particular energy. Okay. Um, CV is here. Thanks for the shout out. Such a great conversation. Thank you, CV. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm, really enjoy when um, my, my good friends get together and, and talk, talk planets there's so many great people that are doing this this work out there, and it's um, please please support them on whatever platform that they they are putting out putting out good stuff. Um, Mortal and Wild is here from I believe from England, so thank you for joining me uh, as well. Uh, very active on Instagram. Um, okay, so what do you say we dive into the the time period from? March 1st to March the 10th. So we're looking at Pisces 2, synchronized with the Nine of Cups. Um, this Deccan is called Material Happiness or just Happiness in both Book T and the Book of Toth. Uh, it, is a, it has a daimon associated with it called Dolos. And Dolos is a, sort of the, it was an apprentice of Prometheus. So remember, Prometheus was bringing uh, humanity into form from clay. And Dolos was this uh, helper that 
tried to make his own version of humanity uh, out of out of what clay was remaining, but didn't have enough to finish the feet. So there is a story in, in Austin's book, 36 Faces, that talks about Dolos um, creating pseudologos, which is translates to falsehood, and Aletheia was created by Prometheus, which is translates to truth. So here we have the, the difference between truth and falsehood. And, and it's suggested that the, the spiritual world is the true form and the material world is a, is a copy. So that, that, that type of philosophy plays out in Platonic philosophy where we have these idealized Platonic forms and then we are begetting you know, many different horses you know, over time uh, from that one idealized form. So I think that one of the things that we're going to start the month off with is trying to come to terms with the fact that material reality is inherently imperfect. And that's okay, right? And and get it, coming to the point where we're satisfied with good enough, right? <laughs> like it's not that we're lowering our standards, it's just not beating our head against the brick wall of trying to to make something so perfect um that that we just feel completely uh, dissatisfied with the results. Now we have two fixed stars in this deck and called it at right around 15 degrees of Pisces, um, a Chernar, which is a fixed star in the, the river called the Eurydanus. And there's a story with Phaethon associated with that. And then Anka, and I believe Anka was the, in the peacock. I don't use Anka as much, but the Acherner myth is really important when I talk to clients about Pisces too. So this is really a st- another apprentice's sorcerer's apprentice story with Phaethon, who was a youth that that wanted to drive the solar chariot across the sky. His his father was Helios, and he wanted to drive his his four horsed chariot across the sky, but um, he lost control of that chariot because he wasn't really ready for the responsibility, and he um, was smote by Zeus and uh, got kind of like shot out of the sky with a thunderbolt and drown in this river, um, the Eurydanus. So there is, there is some uh, challenges where we can potentially overestimate our abilities in this decade. So that's something to keep in mind in the very beginning of the month too, is uh, we can shoot for the stars and the moon, but sometimes we have to accept that uh, there's only so far that we can go with, with the amount of information, with the amount of skills that we have. One of the things that I talked about in my Aquarius Deccans webinar, which is available in the store now if you missed it, um, or if you want to buy the bundle, you'll get the, 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 um, the, the replay files. But one of the things I discussed in that webinar was this concept of the gap. Uh, and, and I read a, a, a quote by Ira Glass um, that I'll read again for you today. And this is from This American Life. This is one of my favorite quotes that I used to talk about in my songwriting classes as well. And I quote, nobody tells people who are beginners, and I wish someone had told me, all of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But there is this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good. It's trying to be good. It has potential, but it's not. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, is still killer. And your taste is why your work disappoints you. A lot of people never get past this phase. They quit. Most people I know who do interesting creative work went through years of this. We know our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this. 
And if you're just starting out or you're still in this phase, you've got to know that it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is do a lot of work. Put yourself on a deadline so that every week you will finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. He says that I took longer to figure this out than anyone I've ever met. It's going to take a while. It's normal to take a while. You've just got to fight your way through. And I think that that is really important for what we're going to be experiencing through March. Um, as a musician and an artist myself, I went through a, a couple decades of feeling like my work wasn't as good as my you know, desire, my taste, my vision. It, and I got news for you, the gap never closes completely. Um, it, it, you're sort of chasing the gap. It can get a little bit smaller and you can be okay with the fact that there is a gap. I think that's really part of what we're experiencing here too. Um, I think that it's very important to uh, think of whatever you're doing as a practice. Uh, when I transitioned from being a professional musician to doing astrology full time, there was a new gap that opened, right? There was the gap of, of you know, looking at other people who had been doing it for a decade and, and saying, that's who I want to be. That's what I want to be like right there. That's the standard. And then realizing in real time that you're not quite there yet, that's when you get frustrated. But the key, like Ira Glass is talking about, is you can't give up. You have to go and do the practice. Every single week, I take notes that look like this. For the month, I have four pages of this. And even though I might know some of this material already, the, the meditative practice, it's, a, it's definitely a meditation, um, it's, it's about closing that gap so that eventually all of these things start to become intuition. And it's almost like, you know, remember the story of Dumbo and his magic feather. You know, when you take notes, when you go through the practice, it's like holding on to that magic feather. But eventually you might not need the magic feather. Uh, I've, I've had some various clients and readings the last few months where either through the client error or my own error, the three or four pages of notes that I took were based on a birth time that wasn't correct. And much of the material was still applicable, but when you completely change your rising sign, you've got to think on your feet. And I've had some really great readings because the, the oracular space that we created through tapping into that intuitive space brought us truth. And it's a very good lesson for those of us that have a lot of Virgo placements, like I do. I have three planets in Virgo. To sometimes you have to let go of the magic feather and just fly. And, and that's maybe really the part of this first part of the month. Um, Rachel is saying it, it takes a lot of courage to begin again as a novice, but it's exciting and the ambition can fuel the laborious stages practice. Yeah, I agree. It is exciting. And when I was transitioning into professional astrology after being, I would say, a, an enthusiastic amateur for many, many years, um, it was exciting because it, it, you're making new connections in your brain. Uh, you're getting out of your old routines. I think that was one of the things I was feeling with music is I loved music, but I was kind of doing the same thing over and over again. I was, I'd been teaching the same class for about a Jupiter cycle, about 12 years. And I just, it wasn't, I wasn't feeling it the same way. 
And, and I know that for some people, that was their passion. That was their everything. And at one point, it was mine too. And I didn't want to be the person that was uh, jaded and not as enthusiastic as they were about what they were doing. So I think that whatever you're doing, if you can find that beginner mind, that passion, your enthusiasm is going to be contagious for that. And if you feel yourself getting stuck, there's lots of ways to shake yourself out of it. Even if it's learning something that doesn't become your everything, like picking up a new hobby or something like that. Uh, Jody is saying the shelf life expired. Yeah, and that's what we learn in astrology is everything goes through cycles. You know, I had a nice Jupiter cycle of teaching college uh, songwriting classes. And maybe now I'll have a Jupiter cycle of doing this. Who knows? Um, okay. Tanya, there's another Tanya joining us today, a new Tanya. Uh, hello, a little late, excited to be here. My favorite Deccan and fixed star astrologer describing the month of my solar return. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, Tanya. Uh, ready and excited to absorb your information. Well, I, I'm, I appreciate you being here and thank you for the, the compliments. I really appreciate that. Uh, RC is saying, as someone who started playing music at 31, I can relate to the gap. Yeah, so you're, you maybe did the, the opposite cycle here. Um, but it's true for anything that we are trying to, to become better at. Uh, and, and really, like I said, it just takes practice. And it takes patience. It takes being gentle with yourself and um, not giving up at, at the first sign of resistance. I think that's another thing to, to, to think about. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen. And what is very cool is that I have a new computer and the spinning beach ball of death isn't going to continue to mock me every time I open multiple windows. So uh, I'm enjoying uh, what I call my new Lamborghini -like tech here. It feels like a Lamborghini just because of how old my other one was, but um, anyway, what we're seeing on the chart here is a chart of March the 1st, 2022, and uh, we are looking at um, the time just before the new moon in Pisces. So just kind of getting in, in, uh, a lay of the land of what all the planets are doing right now before we dive into it. The sun's moving through the second decan of Pisces, Pisces 2, between 10 and 20 degrees of Pisces. It's making an applying uh, conjunction to Jupiter at this point. So at the very beginning of March, we're going to start feeling this really, I think, hopeful energy. We, we're starting the moon off in, with one day of a balsamic moon. The moon has been passing through uh, Aquarius, where Saturn and Mercury have been hanging out. Uh, Saturn... It recently was Kazemi last month and just has made its heliacal rise. And that is happening on the roughly the 21st of February. So we haven't quite gotten it uh, as of this recording, but you will see Jupiter emerging from under the beams uh, at the end of February and becoming visible. Simultaneously, Jupiter has now gone under the beams. So it's sort of like a handing over of Jupiter to, uh, to Saturn. Um, which could feel a little bit maybe oppressive in the beginning. It may, like external events may drive us into our internal reality and into our imagination and into our hopefulness. 
So I think that it's it's important to realize that even if external events are aren't matching up with our reality, that there there is resources that we can draw upon internally, and that's something again I think that the camel is teaching us. They carry a lot of their water and fat supplies and resources with them, and they they are really well adapted to very harsh conditions. Um, if my my beautiful partner Tanya was here today, she'd be telling me all these camel facts, and I'll have to I'll have to pull up some camel facts for you by the end of the show. But they really have a lot of adaptations, like the pads on their feet can withstand great heat. Uh, their their tongues are are specially formulated to be able to eat like really crazy stuff in the desert. All sorts of things. They have like like eyelid covers to keep the sand out of their eyes. So they're really a wonderful animal. Um, and, and again, they can carry great burdens over long distances and harsh conditions. So we may actually be experiencing a harsh social condition, but we've got the resources necessary to, to weather whatever storm we're experiencing. The other thing that I'm seeing here is that we have uh, the conjunction of, well, the kind of the continuing conjunction or the continuing co-presence of Venus and Mars and they're going to be sort of making contact with um, Pluto at the very beginning of the month. So that third decade of Capricorn really dis is talking about bureaucratic structures. So we may have some government saber, saber rattling that I think may be exposing some of the challenges of trying to organize a society physically, um, whether it's coming through resources uh, or like how we manage countries or, or communities. I know that in America, we've ha had some challenges around um, maybe some fear around inflation and supply chain issues. Everything's getting more expensive. Um, and internationally, we have all of the challenges going on in Western Europe and with Ukraine and Russia and all of the kind of the challenges of trying to figure out that situation over there. And um, if we're going to have peace or, or what's going to happen next. So we may see some of that coming to a head with this Mars and Venus uh, moving through that deck and that is traditionally associated with administration of power. Um, what else do we have here? So Uranus is also kind of moving through the second decan of Taurus. Uh, and we have kind of a, the Pisces planets now making a sextile to Uranus instead of squaring it. So a, a number of planets are going to be in a more harmonious relationship with Uranus. Like in my case, it's embracing some new tech. So it's like now instead of waiting and fighting my technology, I'm working with it. Uh, and that may be a, a, a reflection of a sextile with Uranus. But we are also going to see at towards the end of the month, these two planets uh, Venus and Mars moving into their squares with Uranus. So different, different areas of life will become more challenging and, and different areas of life will become easier. Uh, looking at the chat, Tarja uh, from Finland is saying, I was just thinking uh, about what you're talking about, being bored of doing the same thing, but I still love it. Been there many times. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a continuous cycle, right? I mean, we're, we are creatures that are always maybe looking for some novelty, but also creatures of comfort and habit. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a balance between those two, isn't it? Rachel says, congratulations. I hope the new computer spares you the spinning ball of death for at least a few seasons. Yeah, I hope so too. I, um, I, I, I got a, a piece of equipment that I hope will last me for a very long time, but at the rate 
of technology changing, um, who knows? But yes, a few seasons where I don't have to worry about it, right? Uh, so anyway, so let me uh, go to the new moon. So I'm going to have a special guest next week on February the 25th to break this new moon down in depth. My good friend Shannon Aganza is going to be um, joining me from San Diego, California. She is someone that I met at the United Astrology Conference. Wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, very knowledgeable, very just a sweet person. So I, I'm really excited to have her on the show. Um, a lot of experience. Um, so join me on the 25th of February for Shannon Aganza while we break down this, this really hopeful new moon in Pisces. But just to give you a little uh, preview, this new moon is going to be conjoining Jupiter and roughly Neptune, but it's it's much closer to Jupiter, and I think it's it's going to be really colored by its co-presence with Jupiter. Um, we are also seeing at this new moon a conjunction of Mercury and Saturn, and all of these planets in Capricorn 3 conjoining Pluto. So if we can kind of see this time frame from roughly the beginning of, of March, roughly to the 5th, when the uh, Jupiter Kazemi happens, we're gonna, th these are going to be the biggest uh, aspects for the first week of that month. So what are we looking at here? Again, all of the things that I was talking about with Pisces 2, where we uh, are able to maybe dream something into existence, but we also have to be careful of not overshooting or, or having overconfidence in our abilities and still keeping in mind that we do live in a physical reality that does have certain limitations. And that may be part of what the Mercury-Saturn conjunction is telling us is that, hey, you know, there is still some... Uh, things that are, are boundaries, right? Now, with Mercury and Saturn conjoining in the second decan of Aquarius, the limitations that we might have may be idealistic or they may be mental limitations. I talked a lot about the um, glass ceiling energy in my Aquarius decans webinar, where we, we create our own limitations through our own limiting beliefs and thoughts. So we have to be aware that that's, you know, present in the background of this new moon. Um, the other thing that I would suggest is that that second decan of Aquarius really suggests a liminal space between worlds and passing between heaven and earth, right? Like Austin Coppett calls that decan. It is a Mercury decan, it is a place of commerce. So we may be going back and forth between our idealistic vision and communicating that vision to people on the physical plane to try to see, okay, what, what can we do here? What are the details of this? What is possible? What isn't? Those communications and those conversations are going to be really important. Now, again, with Mars and Venus conjoining Neptune, I'm sorry, conjoining Pluto in Capricorn, we have to be really careful when we're moving through the, the, the bureaucratic process. I, I like to call that deck in the red tape. So you may find that your vision is running into some challenges with the, the establishment, with the, the laws that are already in place, 
with the established power structures. Remember, you know, bureaucratic systems take a while to move. Like imagine sitting at the DMV and waiting in line to get your driver's license renewed or something like that. It's, it's, it's a slow process because everybody's going through a lot of different stuff. Um, they're trying to find the right form. They're trying to make sure everything's filled out properly. You may be experiencing a little bit of that and a little frustration when you realize that maybe the bureaucratic system that you've been using has some some flaws in it because of some things that have been ignored over a long period of time. So everything experiences this, every system. You know, sometimes when we first get real excited about using a system, we pay a lot of attention to it. When after, for a long period of time, if we've been using it, we get, we get complacent and we, we're like put it on autopilot. And when the, the changing circumstances happen, we need to change the systems to be able to meet the present needs. And a lot of time, the, the, the gap between the, the current needs and how the system is functioning are, is wide. And we see this in our government all the time. This is all what we're arguing about in, in every government system is how we're meeting the needs of the people versus the established systems that are already in place. So those are some things to meditate on as we go through the beginning of the month with the new moon. But it is a really great time to set some intentions. Think about what your dream is. What does it look like? And then, you know, keep one foot on the ground. And, and as you go through this lunar cycle in this month, figure out what is possible and what isn't. And then by that spring equinox, man, you'll be able, you'll be hit, be able to hit the ground running. Okay, so this is a, a dreaming and a visioning time. This is a figuring out what is and what isn't possible as we get to the full moon in, in Virgo. And, you know, giving yourself some time and space to, to really uh, to journey within your imagination. Okay. Jupiter in Pisces is, a, is an imaginal journeyer, whereas Jupiter in Sagittarius takes physical journeys. So something to think about. Uh, Jody, thank you so much for the super sticker. Uh, you are amazing. That's I, I'm throwing that one right back to you. You are amazing and, and such a great supporter of this channel and of the work that we do here. So thank you so much for that super sticker. Um, okay, uh, let's see what we have. Uh, just checking in on the chat box. Again, thank you for all your comments. Um, if you're enjoying this video so far, make sure that you uh, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, sign up for the newsletter, all of those technical things that help um, support the work that I do here. All right, let's move forward from March the 2nd. And again, as we move through our days here, you can see that on March the 3rd, there's the exact conjunction of Venus with Pluto and Mars with Pluto. So we may have a slight delayed reaction to the seed moment of the new moon and then having to come to terms with some of the, the bureaucratic red tape that we have to go through to, to turn it into a reality. And you're going to have to do that hard pl plutonic work. Remember, I, I talk about Pluto as the, the, the plumber, right? It, it's unclogging the toilets of our lives that have been stuck or the pipes that are clogged up. And once you do, the, the flow of chi is going to be a lot, a lot better. Um, so you got to do that dirty work, I think. Um, as we get to the fifth, here we see uh, the Kazemi moment, right? 
So I'm going to show you the exact Kazemi. So Jupiter conjunct the sun. So there it is, March 5th, 2022, 9.06 a.m. in my Eastern Standard Time. So we've talked about this a little bit already, but this is 14 degrees of Pisces, making an application to that fixed star, Achernar, the, the star that is associated with Phaethon and the, the myth of the youth that tried to drive the chariot of the sun. So it's a, it's a very hopeful, aspirational place, but there is a danger of maybe accidents through, um, through hubris, potentially, through, uh, and I th it's a little bit of a different hubris than I think we saw in um, maybe even the second decade of Capricorn, where we're trying to build a material structure to the divine, which that never really works. Uh, but I think that the hubris in Pisces too is a little bit more innocent, I, and I, but I think it's like not paying attention to the material reality. Right? It's the difference between like, oh, we're, we're so focused on the spiritual vision that we neglect the actual skills that we need to carry it out. Um, it's a very hopeful place. I think that this Jupiter Kazemi is going to be very hopeful. But again, my uh, one foot in the sky, one foot on the ground type of advice here is, um, you know, make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into. And you can dream big. But remember, there is there is a lot of hard work between the uh, manifestation of your vision and you know where you may be at at the current moment, and don't neglect the work that you have to do in the gap to get there. And also realize that the divine or the universe is going to be your best partner. Um, I have another client that I've been uh, working with who was talking about the being on the payroll of, of God. And I was like, I like that. <laughs> like, how do I get on the payroll of God? Um, and, and she was talking a lot about uh, how um, she just, you know, allows the spiritual presence to provide for her and she has faith in it. And I think that the, the concept of having faith uh, is really important with this Jupiter Kazemi. We can make wishes, but there's a difference between wishes and expectations. This is something that um, Susie Chang was talking about in her book, 36 Secrets. You know, we can make a wish, but, but then we have to let go of the, the way that we're going to be provided for. So if we're trying to micromanage our wish or our dream, sometimes what we can end up doing is blocking the manifestation of it. So I, what I would suggest with this Jupiter Kazemi make a wish, set your intentions, and then let it go. Let Jupiter bring that to you, right? Let, let, let Jupiter show you the next step that you need to take. Because it's not just like you make the wish and then you do nothing, all right? You make the wish and then you open yourself up to be guided to the next steps that you need to take, right? I think that's the key, that you, you have to be um, a receiver for that divine guidance. And I think that that's what my client was talking about, being on the payroll of God. It's like kind of like you're, you are tuning in to the intuition that will allow yourself to, to be somebody who is receiving the goodness of the universe and not blocking it. And I think that's a lot of what the, the manifestation magic comes in. Um, 
this is something I've really struggled with. I, I've struggled with having, I think some, sometimes I will struggle with having a, what I would call a poverty consciousness. Uh, and a lot of it stems from trauma. And I think that that's true for a lot of us is we, we tend to block the goodness in our life because we've been hurt before in the past. And it's almost a mistrust of the universe. And during this period, we may have to renew that faith and that trust, even if we've been hurt before, because sometimes the, the pain that we've experienced is it's old, it's old pain. Maybe that's something that, that Mars and Venus are, are unearthing in its contact with Pluto is that old pain that when we finally release, we can open up as a channel to align ourselves with the Tao, with this natural order and the cycles of nature. Um, and when you do that, that's when you can go with the currents of your life rather than continuing to paddle upstream. I love that metaphor for Pisces too, is how can you recognize where the, the river of your life is heading without you know, and let yourself be carried to it while at the same time paddling around obstacles, okay? You know, there's still rocks and rapids that you have to go through, um, but it's not exhausting yourself by trying to paddle against the stream of your life against the current where ultimately you're just spinning your wheels at that point too. You're not actually going anywhere. You're just exhausting yourself. Okay. So let's move forward. That's our Jupiter Kazemi on the fifth conjoin the fixed star, a churner. I'm looking at my notes. Grant, I wrote grandiosity and hope careful not to fly too high. Uh, wishes granted. Um, it, yeah. It's sort of like, I like that matrix metaphor for Pisces too. I would say that the story of Pisces is the story of Neo and the matrix on some level. In Pisces one, he has this dissatisfaction with his mundane reality. And he realizes that he is uh, connected in a different way. And you can think of the second decade of Pisces as him, you know, learning from Morpheus and learning that he has power and that he is able to co-create um, new realities within that construct. And then third decan of Pisces, we get to a point where he becomes uh, almost like a savior figure, like the one. He is the one. He is the crusader that is liberating others from this as well. All right. Let's see. So I'm going to move forward here. One thing I wanted to point out before I, I get move on from my big picture thoughts is we will have a condition with the moon being out of bounds from March the 9th to March the 14th. Um, so I did want to kind of point that out so I don't forget that. Uh, that's kind of a position where our emotions are, may really start to swing to, to wild extremes. So another point in time to be really aware of uh, your centering types of um, practices. Now, as we get to the second decan of Pisces, I'm just going to move through the chart here. You can see that we're, the moon is separating and the sun is separating from Jupiter. And when we get to March the 10th, you can see that the sun will move into uh, the, the second decan of Pisces. So here is, here is Pisces 2. There you go. You can see the sun's at 20 degrees of Pisces. 
And now it's applying to a conjunction with Neptune. So really the second decan of Pisces energy that we're going to be experiencing is very much colored by Neptune and this uh, crusader type of energy that we're going to be experiencing. Now, it's very fascinating to me that both the third decan of Pisces and Neptune seem to have some similar qualities. Now, I'm going to stop my share for just a second and show you this card and talk about this decan before we get into it. So this is the Ten of Cups. So this cup is, Austin Kopic will call this a cup of blood. Now, it looks like a really nice card. Why would we call it a cup of blood? Well, this is a, a, a Mars-ruled decan. There's a really interesting quirk of the decanic planetary system, the descending Chaldean order, where the last decan, quote-unquote, of Pisces three. And the first decan of Aries 1 are both ruled by Mars. So this is the, the sacrifices that we are willing to make for our idealistic vision. And it, there can be some times where we have to really ask ourselves, is what we're doing worth it, right? Are we, is, are we a martyr to our cause or are we a, a savior to it? There can be a savior complex. There can be a martyr complex. You can you can play the victim. You can play the savior. It's all a similar uh, side of this, of the same coin, or it's different different side of the same coin on some level. Um, Book T calls that Deccan satiety, and Book of Toth calls it the Lord of Perfected Success. Uh, there's a daimon associated with Pisces three called Elpis, which which roughly translates to hope. So this is a very hopeful idealistic vision, and and Elpis is kind of the the um the opposite of morose which translates to doom so one of the themes of this decan is because we may have an awareness of our impending doom our impending death that everything is ephemeral and everything is temporary we can we have a choice to make we can get depressed which is a hallmark of this decan if if we surrender to that emotion or we can tap into our sense of hope that allows us to be able to uh survive right and fight fighting to survive the story that i tell with pisces 3 is the story of pandora's box and this is something that i've learned from both t susan chang and austin Kopic, where they talk about uh elpis as being what was left in pandora's box after all the ills of humanity were unleashed onto the world all of the ills of like old age and death war um, suffering all of these things um, that zeus sent with pandora to punish humanity for stealing the gift of fire uh, or stealing the awareness of its own creation on some level so one of the reasons why we don't just maybe end it all uh, is that uh, we have hope. We we have a vision that we're trying to enact, and I think that we really have to 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 tap into that as we as we go through this period of time. Uh, there's a Sephira in the in the Kabbalistic Hermetic Kabbalistic understanding of the tarot. Um, it's called Malkuth, which roughly translates to kingdom, but it's the material world. So this is about how do we bring that vision into material reality. And what crusade or what are we willing to sacrifice for to do that? Um, 
I can also think about someone fighting for their beliefs, right? Like really protecting their belief system or protecting someone that they consider vulnerable too. I've had other clients with this placement that made a lot of sacrifices for the people in their life and did it willingly. They did it with joy and with love um, because they were hopeful for, for that, um, the future that that person in their life represented. The other thing that I will say about Pisces 3 is that we can see wild swings of emotion with this, like the heights of ecstasy and the, the crushing lows of disappointment. So how can you come into emotional equilibrium around this period of time? And how can you uh, not get blinded by the, the happy ending, the, the, the Hollywood happy ending that we all have been programmed towards uh, thinking that we may be manifesting? That's not to say that we can't manifest some of it, um, but I do think it can be really challenging um, when we have expectations that aren't realistic. I'm, I'm thinking of more like, you know, like filters on social media, right? This, this per, the perfection of this ideal that doesn't really even exist. Like there's a filter on my webcam where I could smooth over my appearance, but I chose not to put it on so you could see the lines in my face because I'm 41 years old and that's who I am. I've earned these lines, you know? So I think that, uh, and that's real, right? And I think that it, when you can come to terms with that and, and love the lines on your face rather and, and love the lines on the face of your dream, that's when I think you'll be coming to the satisfaction place of the, of the nine of cups, really the balance point within Pisces. So there is a danger of a broken dream here too. But I think that we can we can um, avoid the worst of that by loving unconditionally, and that that includes loving ourselves as we are, and loving um, you know the reality that we're living in, without you know completely wishing it was completely different all the time. It's it's really the lesson of gratitude, right? So I think that's one thing to keep in mind with this this decade of Pisces in particular. You can also think about this period of time with Deccan three of Pisces, as the, especially in the northern hemisphere where the ice is starting to melt. We had the ice of Aquarius that's beginning to melt into this puddle or this ocean of mud and water. Uh, it's very mucky. It's very confusing. It's, you don't know where to step. You know, you don't know where a safe step is without getting your feet wet. And we're all kind of in that like that place of of uh, melted boundarylessness. Um, and it can be a, you can get messy, you know, feelings and conversations can get messy around that period of time. So um, put on your, your good slicker boots. Uh, and so that you have some protection like that as well. Uh, I'm in dire need of some new shoes. Because being a Taurus moon, I have things that I like, like this, this hoodie, this green hoodie that I've had for 25 years <laughs> that I wear all the time. And it's the same thing with shoes. And I've worn holes in the bottom of my shoes. So I, I have, I don't have really good Pisces walking shoes because if you walk out in shoes that have holes in the heel, your socks are going to get wet. So make sure you have the right footwear for navigating this time frame in your life. And I mean that in, in a metaphorical way too. You know, put on the right shoes for, for the conversations that you're going to have so that you don't get uh, some discomfort uh, in the foundations of your life. All right, let's see. 
So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go back to our screen and our chart. And let's take a look at some of the uh, nitty gritty of Pisces 3. So we're starting off on the, um, wait a minute, we haven't gotten, sorry, I, I, I skipped over some things here in Pisces 2 that were continued. So let me back up for a second, <laughs> if you forgive me for that, this is a very Piscean moment. Um, but I had notes on one page and I skipped over to the other one here. Before we get to this Pisces 3 period, uh, a couple things we haven't really discussed yet is the ingresses of Mars and Venus into Aquarius, which is going to be happening on March the 6th. So this is a decade uh, that we've talked about at length in our other shows, but um, really the first decade of Aquarius is related to the Five of Swords. And here we see a conflict and a defeat type of experience uh, where th there is an, an, an energy of intentional exile in Aquarius, and especially in the first decan that we have here. So we have the coming together of a maybe a conflict at, on this, this March 6th period where we may say, you know what, I'm completely disillusioned with this. I'm going to intentionally go off into the frontier and do something in an unorthodox style. And Venus is following suit, and this is a Venus-ruled Deccan. So Venus finds value in leaving the herd behind, finds value in living outside the accepted norm of society. So there may be a, a circumstance where you have a conflict and a separation, but then you're like, oh, well, I, I, I can see the, the good that could come um, from you know, living on the fringe. So that may be what we're experiencing at this period of time with Venus and Mars moving into Aquarius. And in, I would highly encourage you to take a look at the area of your life that both Venus and Mars rule, because it's going to be shifting. Like before, those two planets were concentrating their energy through Capricorn and whatever topic that represented in your life could be partnerships, it could be your career, it could be your money, it could be uh, the groups that you're a part of. In this chart I have on the screen, a Taurus rising chart, it would be uh, public actions, 10th house would be the Aquarius ruled area of the chart. Um, so what you need to do is look at what Mars rules. So in our example chart here of Taurus rising, Mars is representing the seventh house of partnerships and the 12th house of secret enemies, self-undoing, rest, things of that nature. And then Venus is going to be representing the first house and the sixth house in this Taurus rising chart of Taurus and Libra respectively. So those four topics are all going to be coming together in some kind of public event for people who have Taurus rising. So you can do this with your own chart, or if you need help, you can reach out and I can help you if you want to book a reading or something like that, or if you have a quick question, I'd be happy to uh, help you out here as well. Um, so look at how those all those different things are going to be coming together within your life, because they are going to be related. Uh, it's, it's very interesting when two planets come together, because they are bringing in the themes of multiple areas of your life. Everything in our life is interconnected on some level, and that's what we learn with Pisces as well. All right, so that's the sixth 
The other thing that I will say that's happening on the 6th is we have one of our other planets at the bending of the nodes. So you can see here, we've got Mercury at 24 degrees of Aquarius, and it is squaring the north and south node of the moon. So when a planet squares the lunar nodes, it's at a turning point. We call that the bending of the nodes. And depending on which bending we're at, we could be moving towards release or we could be mo moving towards increase. In this case, Mercury is at what's called the north bending. It's moving towards the north node. So we're moving in the Mercury area of our life uh, towards a place of increase. And here we have a choice that needs to be made. So again, our guest host relationship coming into play, we look at the Virgo and Gemini area of our life and see where the choice may be made. So in this Taurus rising chart, Mercury rules the second house of money, finances, resources, support systems, and the fifth house of children or creativity or legacy or things that happen after death uh, because it's related to the fourth house of family. Um, so here's an example. Here's an imaginary person with Taurus rising. Something in their career, a choice that they have to make in their career, will probably have an effect on how much money they make. And let's say hypothetically, that's going to affect whether they keep their kid in daycare or not, or whether they take the job with more money and have to pay for more childcare, or whether they stay home and, you know, stay home with their kid. You know, that, that could be one potential manifestation of Mercury at the Benz providing resources in a career house for the second house of money and the fifth house of children. So do you see how I'm, I'm breaking that down here? And you can do that with any planet in your chart or move it to, to your own rising sign. So that's Mercury at the Benz. There's discussions that are going to be happening about where you're going to be moving forward. Um, Mercury in the third decan of, of Aquarius talks a lot about detachment and untying an old karmic knot. So this is a, a place of actual uh, great frustration where you, you've had enough and you're like, all right, I finally had enough of this situation. I'm disappointed enough in great Saturnian style that I'm ready to leave. So there, there may be a situation in your life around this period of time, March 6th, where you're just like, I've had it. I'm ready to go. Now I need to make a choice as to what I'm going to be moving towards and what I'm going to be leaving behind. And, you know, I, I am a firm believer that there's not necessarily any wrong choices. I think that there's there's choices that will create different outcomes and either through success or through failure, you can learn through those outcomes. And then ultimately you'll probably end up in the same space anyway, if you're able to make adjustments. So don't stress out too much about the choice is what I'm telling you is even if you have a little bit of a temporary setback, you can always make an adjustment. All right, Dimphy is coming in in the comment section here saying, like an old auntie once said about the skin around her lips, I am getting more folds in my pleated skirt. <laughs> I like that, Dimphy. I think she's re referring to the lines on my face. Uh, Rachel is loving the lines on the face of our dream. Yeah, that's a that was a good um, poetic, uh, I don't know, intuition, I think. Age of Joy is, is, is commenting that Piscean is, yes, the Matrix is very Piscean. I agree. Um, 
I believe that the creators of the Matrix trilogy, what is it, the Wachowski, Wachowski sisters, um, they have some pretty prominent Piscean placements within their chart. I don't remember them specifically, but I do remember kind of looking up their charts and being like, man, what they must have some Pisces stuff going on here. And sure enough, they did. All right. So let's move forward now to the ninth. Okay, we'll get through this. Thank you for hanging out with me today. Hope that you're all doing well out there. Um, on the ninth, we're going to see Mercury moving into Pisces. So this is, like I was saying at the beginning of the show, and I won't belabor this again too much, uh, but this is a difficult place for, for Mercury. So one thing, it's, ah, it's so fascinating. It's really interesting to see this play out in real time when I'm clicking through the chart. Some things that, that you see uh, in the holistic vision that you don't when you're taking very detailed like microcosm notes. But the choice that we have to make while Mercury is at the bends eventually could lead to us leaving behind some kind of material success or reality and feeling a little bit unmoored for a period of time. The choice that you had to make at that bending is probably going to lead to a little bit of confusion. It's going to make you feel a little bit emotional. It's going to make you feel potentially lost in the maze of trying to find your footing once again. Remember the first decan of Pisces was called the labyrinth in 36 faces. Uh, so it's going to be a period where give yourself some extra grace, give yourself extra time if you have to travel to places, um, recognize it'd be a lot easier to get distracted, uh, and that we're all going to be kind of living in this um, underwater type of experience. I think that the notes I wrote down for this was screaming underwater, <laughs> like, you know, and, and if we, if we uh, shout too loud, we'll get water in our lungs and um if we, uh, you know, it, it, the, the messages are going to have to go through many layers of feelings. That's the, some of the challenges with Mercury and Pisces is it's not like we can have a clear conversation. It's like we're going to get, we have to fight through the lump in our throat to be able to talk clearly. And sometimes it's hard to talk at all. I know I have Mercury in Cancer, another water sign. And if I'm really upset, the pe people can tell I'm really upset when I just can't talk at all. When I was a child, if I got really upset or frustrated, I completely shut down and went internally and I could not physically talk. And I think it's similar with Mercury and Pisces is if you get really emotional, you're just going to completely go off into imaginary dreamland and it's, it's hard to reach you. So it, it may be hard, hard to, to reach people um, from an, a rational intellectual place. And you may have to reach people from an emotional place, from a feeling place. So, you know, I'll, I'll pray for all of you air sign placements out there. Um, but, you know, it, 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 every part of ourselves is important. Just because we have a lot of air placements doesn't mean we don't have emotions. Just because we have a lot of earth placements doesn't mean that, you know, we don't have a rational mind and we're not just material beings. Everybody has emotions. Everybody has material reality. Everybody has uh, intellectual faculties and everyone has the passion of fire, you know, passion of fire. So you may just have to utilize an element that you're not as comfortable with, but 
trust me, you have the ability to do it if you make an effort. I think that's the key is making an effort to meet the planets where they are at and utilize the gifts that they are giving you rather than trying to swim upstream with um, stuff that isn't working, right? <laughs> with like a path that isn't working. Um, Mariana is saying uh, Baudelaire, James Joyce, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone had Mercury and Pisces. Exactly. All of them were amazing artists and they, they were utilizing emotional communication, uh, metaphor. Um, many of those folks had some really difficult life circumstances though. Uh, Nina Simone, Billie Holiday in particular, I'm, I'm thinking about had some really tough things going on in their life. Uh, I believe, um, Maya Angelou also is a Mercury and Pisces person as well. And, but here's the thing, they took that suffering and they did something really beautiful with it. So I think that's another thing that we can see with all of this is that you may experience some disappointments, but what are you going to do with it? Well, you could make some art with it. That's a really great use of this energy. You could write a poem, you could paint a painting. Um, one of my favorite, uh, uh, artist right now is somebody in our chat. Susanna from Finland is a really, really talented artist. I would highly recommend check, checking out her paintings because she taps into a really emotional space um, with, with her Cancerian energy as well. So um, yeah, do, do something that is non-linear. All right. Do something that is not so um, keeping us attached to physical reality. Okay. That could, that could be a great way to just feel a sense of flow state. I think that's a great way to navigate Pisces seasons, getting into the flow state. Okay. Dimphy says, you are so comforting. Thanks, Mercury will be opposite my natal Mercury by sign. <laughs> well, I try to bring peace of mind in these live streams and in what I do, because otherwise, what am I doing? There are, there are many people in my profession that I think um, are fear mongers, and I don't really think that that's uh, what I want to be known as. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not a f have a firm hand sometimes, or I don't want to be a spiritual bypasser. But I do think that we are capable of digging deep into our reserves of, of energy and finding a place of peace and acceptance, even if we're dealing with difficult circumstances. So um, yeah, Dimphy's asking if Susanna has a website. I'm not sure, but you can find her on um, Instagram. Susanna Philaji, uh, P-H-I-J-I, I'm not sure, I have some difficulty spelling Finnish words, she's based out of Finland, but um, maybe one of our friends could find her and post it in our chat box here, because she's definitely got some really great, great art. Okay, so that is Mercury moving into Pisces. Double check your facts, get in touch with your dream language, do some art, uh, give yourself some extra time to get somewhere if you're needing to be somewhere important. Now, now we're back to Pisces 3, all right? Excuse me. So now, with the sun in Pisces 3 at 20 degrees of Pisces, we're going to be experiencing a first quarter moon. So here is our first quarter moon, uh, the square between the sun and the moon. So here's the moon, square the sun. And this is this first quarter moon square, whoops, where did that go? Uh, is going to be at 
19 degrees of Pisces and Gemini, respectively. So, what could we be experiencing at this first quarter moon? Now remember, moon first quarters and last quarter moons are squares, so they are sort of like these crisis points in the lunation cycle. Now when I say crisis point, it doesn't mean that your whole world is going to come crashing down. Um, it just may be a little bit of friction that you have to overcome. Think about it like the, the rubber of a tire meeting the road, and that friction is going to get you move, moved forward. So some of the challenges that we may experience at this first quarter moon in particular is maybe being pulled in too many directions, having too many options with the moon in Gemini too. And, you know, there's a, a card associated with this, which is the nine of swords, where you see someone uh, laying awake in bed, sort of having a nightmare. So I think that one of the things that we have to ask ourselves is, are we pursuing a dream? Or are we creating a nightmare for ourselves, right? Any dream can turn into a nightmare if we allow our thoughts to get the better of us. If we allow too many different options, here's this nine of, of swords card, right? Sometimes I think what will be important is calming the mind down, uh, is choosing a direction. I think that the the real challenge of Gemini in particular is actually making a choice. It's not really about exploring every single possibility. It's about exploring a possibility and then saying, okay, one of these twins is worth um, keeping alive and the other one has to be sacrificed. And you know, you have to give up some of the, the options to, to breathe life into the one that needs to come into manifestation. And that's the transition from Gemini to Cancer is, you know, exploring all these choices and then finally, in, you know, impregnating it in, in some material form in the Cancerian womb uh, and then nurturing it, okay, into, into fruition. So explore your options at this point, but don't get overwhelmed by having too many. Um, make your pros and cons list and then let it go. Remember, the, the, the key with this is to trust your gut, trust your intuition, don't overthink it. So that's what I would, I would suggest on March 10th here. Don't, don't over get in the point where you're creating uh, too much anxiety for yourself. All right, if we move forward to the 13th, okay, on March the 13th, that's where we see the conjunction of the sun with Neptune. Now, I just recently attended a really fascinating talk by Demetra George on Neptune, which I highly suggest checking out. You can find the replay of that at Astrology University or for purchase through that, or maybe even on Demetra's website. I'm not sure where that would be at this point. Um, but she went through a lot of history of Neptune and its association with the, the spiritualist movement of the early 20th century um, with um, intentional communities of northern New York around Rochester. And it was really fascinating stuff. And there's a quote from that talk that I wanted to share where she kind of boiled down the essence of Neptune. And she says, and I quote, spirit, Neptune is spirit moved by fervor. Uh, okay, spirit moved by fervor guides conscience to right action and social reform. Okay, let me repeat that. Spirit moved by fervor guides conscience consciousness or, or conscience to right action and social reform. 
all right, so it is this, this passionate spiritual energy that says, you know what, I need, there's changes that need to be made. And a lot of this was associated with the, the, the suffragette movement, um, with, with women having equal rights around this period of time when Neptune was discovered. Um, there was, uh, we're, we're also seeing some equality uh, significations for people of color as well. Um, and that was a little, that took a little bit longer into the mid uh, 20th century. And we're still fighting those battles today. Let's, let's be, let's be honest and clear, you know, equality in the workplace for both um, men and women and people of color and, you know, gender inclusivity and all of those things. So still working on those issues. It's not like a, we figured it out type of thing, but as the sun conjoins Neptune, there may be an awareness, which is the solar light of some kind of crusade that you uh, would be willing to make a sacrifice for, some kind of social reform that is motivated by your, your spiritual passion. And again, that, it, that seems to be very similar to the third decan of Pisces. So we've got like a double whammy of energy and, and, and I'm not somebody who uses Neptune as a sign ruler for, for Pisces. I use Jupiter as the traditional ruler. But I can understand, you know, based on how people talk about Neptune, why they would consider it having some affinity for that sign or some similarities potentially, especially the third decan. So this may be a point where you're really thinking about, okay, I'm, I'm going to make a sacrifice for this particular thing. Now, you do have to be careful because Neptune has also proven to be a planet of illusion and toxicity. And the, 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 Neptune was associated with both like the, the film industry, photography, but also like anesthetic, uh, anesthesia, you know, so like, like substances that, that put you in an altered state of consciousness. And all of those things can be wonderful but they, they all can be uh, dangerous too if we don't come back, right? If, we, if, if the anesthesiologist makes a mistake, someone's lost in dream world forever, uh, you can die, right? Or if you take a substance that alters your consciousness, but you, you don't do it in a responsible way, that can have negative repercussions. So I think it's very important around March the 13th to really, to really uh, examine whether what you're crusading or fighting for or sacrificing for is real or if it's an illusion. Um, and be careful that, that you're not um, getting yourself into a situation that isn't really based on reality uh, and figure out what the reality of the situation is. Because if you aren't able to do that at this point, you're going to get a real distinctive wake-up call at the full moon in Virgo. Okay. Now, as we move forward, the next aspect that we have, or the next event, is happening on the 16th of March. Now, this is the heliacal rise of Mercury. I'm sorry, no, nope, 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 check that. Sorry. The heliacal or the, it's not heliacal. There, there are two different types of synodic events for the inner planets, Mercury and Venus. Two of them are called the heliacal rising and the heliacal setting. 
okay? The, the heliacal rising uh, is when Mercury is emerging from under the beams, retrograde in motion. And when it's making its heliacal setting, it's also retrograde in motion. The, the morning set is when Mercury is direct and going under the beams again. And then its evening rise will be when it is direct and emerging as an evening star. So if that's too complicated, just think of it like this. Mercury was visible in the morning hours. You can see the sun in this chart, the sun is on the ascendant. Mercury was visible before, but now it will be invisible. So this is challenging for planets. In traditional astrology, when a planet wasn't visible, it was like a like somebody taking to their sickbed because eventually they would be getting renewed in the heart of the sun, in the furnace of the sun at the Kazemi or the conjunction moment. But when it first goes under the beams, the planet is weakened and Mercury is already in a very debilitated state by dignity being in Pisces. So this could be something where if you're already feeling an escapist tendency that you're just like completely checking out on March the 16th or, or in that period of time that Mercury is under the beams. So be, again, be very conscious of your communication around these period of time. Um, you know, get clarification. Uh, a lot of your thought processes and communications may be happening behind the scenes rather than up front. You know, we may all be feeling a little bit invisible around this period of time. And the, the area of your life, the Gemini and Virgo area of your life is probably going to be going through a transition and it's going to be destabilized at first, but eventually it will have a new, um, a, a conjunction with the sun, right? Uh, that's going to happen in Aries though. So we're not going to have the Mercury Kazemi this, this month. We're going to have that, I believe in the very first days of April. So again, double check everything, double check the details. Give yourself some grace with the, your mercur mercurial functioning. All right, when we move forward on another day, we do have a little bit of a helper uh, planet that's going to be helping Mercury. We do have a sextile between Mercury and Uranus on the 17th on St. Patrick's Day. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would be real, real careful um, with your St. Patrick's Day celebrations if, if you do celebrate in that fashion. Um, I personally, that's not how I celebrate holidays. I am pretty sober. But if you do partake in uh, a Guinness or two, um, just be very careful because you could um, do some damage with that, uh, with Mercury being uh, in Pisces and under the beams. You might, not, you might not know your limits, right? It may be very difficult to figure out what a healthy limit is with um with mercury in that position um but with mercury making a sextile to uranus on that day there's some potentially some help uh through innovative art or artistic thinking so if you're you're doing something creative around that period of time utilizing some kind of new resource some kind of new uh, medium might be uh, effective to doing what you need to do moving forward um again you may be shaken up out of your routine, but it may be in a good way too, because it's a sextile between Mercury and Uranus. I'm gonna get a drink of water here. You guys doing all right out there? Everybody doing okay? 
Thank you for hanging out with me uh, so far. We'll probably go maybe another 20 or 30 minutes here. We're, we're, we're slogging our way through it, <laughs> through the ocean of Piscean consciousness here. All right. As we move forward to the 18th, that's when we have our full moon. So here is our full moon on the 18th of March, 2022, uh, at 27 degrees of Virgo, opposite the 27 degree Pisces sun. So I also will have another guest coming on to talk about this one in depth. My good friend Mercurius George will be joining me on the 16th of March, a few days prior to this to break this down. Um, I've moved that a little bit closer to the to the full moon, just mostly to get it out of the way of my webinars because trying to do too many things in one week on webinar week was um, was a little bit difficult. So uh, join me for that March sixteenth. Mercurius George, an old friend of mine who's a very talented um, musician and astrologer as well. But just a little preview of this full moon. We're also going to be experiencing on this day a square between Venus and Uranus, uh, you know, within within the next day or so. Um, this full moon is really associated with bringing something into form and passing on a legacy to the next generation. And Virgo three has significations with Hestia, the, the diamond or spirit of Hestia, which is the, the goddess of the sacred flame, right? Which was kept the flame of, the, of divine wisdom and passed it on to new generations. So I want you to think about it this full moon on the 18th. How can your dream uh, be passed on in a material form? How can you infuse essence into form? The other thing that is, is, stands out to me, and I talked about this in my Decans of Virgo webinar that I did almost six months ago now. It is available in the store at spencermichaud.com. <laughs> but um, this Decan also is really about um, coming to terms with the decay and entropy of matter. So you may get an awareness of some form that is some dream that you had and its form starting to decay. And how can you pass on that dream maybe in a new form and release the old form? Um, this is something that's been really uh, important for me to learn in the course of my own life. So I, I have Saturn and Mars in this deck and this, this full moon is gonna be right on my, my Mars. So wish me, wish me luck. Um, is recognizing that I can change the form of things. I don't have to be attached to the form of things and the essence will live on. I've had to learn this with my career, with my identity, with items, you know, like with, with physical things, with relationships, the relationships can change. Um, I've had to learn this in relationship with my, my aging parents. Uh, that, that's something that uh, maybe some of you who are in a similar life stage as me, as our parents, um, some of them, th the, the way that we related to them changes as they age or as their bodies change and their ability to do certain things changes, but the essence of their spirit remains, even if they can't do the same things that they once did. I, I, this is something that I've had to really come to terms with. My, my mom had a stroke a few years ago and, and has some real 
um, physical challenges, but her spirit remains, even if she can't talk or the same way or move the same way. I know that she's still, um, you know, she's still in there and we have good conversations. And it, in the beginning of that cycle, for me, it was painful to, to see uh, the form of someone that you cared about um, changing. And uh, yeah, here's the Pisces moment where you get choked up about something, right? But you have to come to terms with it. And I think that that's something where this full moon is really going to be part of that. And uh, there is going to be challenges around that. And I think that finding a way to, to embrace essence over form may be the real key. Now, the square between Venus and Uranus may suggest that we may have a, a, a breakthrough or a breakdown in our relationships as well. We may be trying to move on to a new uh, shore with Venus moving through the second decan of, of Aquarius. And there may need to be a new routine that we have to shake things up to, to be able to infuse something into a new form. And that may feel a little bit disorientated and disruptive at, at first. And we may get a little bit shaken up or we may feel a little bit of stubbornness around it since it's in two fixed signs. But if we embrace the change rather than, than get lost in the, the Ten of Cups vision of what we wish something was rather than what, we, what it is. And let me tell you, this was true for me. I had to come to terms with what was possible in my relationship with my, my mom in the current form rather than what I wished it would be based on the past. And finding a way to, to love and relate in a loving way to the current form is going to be part of this. And Venus being related to love and desire as well. How can you learn to love the whatever form that that spiritual essence is going to take. Because one of the hard truths of Virgo 3 is that all forms will decay and will, will die. Um, and we have to come to terms with that. And that's very different than this idealistic vision of Pisces 3, right? Now, again, Hestia is teaching us how to pass on wisdom to the next generation. You know, like I've seen this relationship happen with my mom passing on her wisdom to my daughter, you know, her granddaughter, even though she may not be as quick, you know, my mom's a Gemini and she used to be the snappiest communicator I've, I've ever seen, the quickest thinker. Now she communicates slower, but the wisdom is still there. And how I've watched their relationship blossom as they, they meet every, every week and have a long conversation every week. Uh, and it, it's really beautiful to see them uh, passing on that wisdom. That's the sacred flame that we're passing on with this full moon in Virgo 3. So consider that as you move forward and allow yourself to be vulnerable in the process. I think that's the, that's the other key. Oh, yeah, Rachel says, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Spencer, you had to learn so much through your mom's illness. No philosophy can prepare you for the lived reality of that. Amen, Rachel. It, it's very true. We can intellectualize all of these experiences, and you never really know 
what it's like until you go through it. And uh, it's, it's a valuable, valuable life lesson. It's a hard one. But ultimately, my spirit and my soul will hopefully grow through that experience, right? Um, my understanding at, at having a physical incarnation will, will grow through challenging stuff. And we learn through good stuff and we learn through challenging stuff. And I think if we prescribe to the myth of Ur in Platonic philosophy, we've sort of agreed to this, <laughs> the, goods and the, the good and the bad. And that's when we know we have to embrace all of it is, you know, that's, that's just a part of our journey here together. Uh, Dimphi is saying the fire of Hestia won't fade. Your mom's energy will always be. Well, thank you, Dimphi. I, I agree. And I think that, again, that's going to be some of the, the themes that may come up um, through, through, this, through this transition that we see at the full moon. All right, let's move forward. So I think that's the last thing I have in Pisces 3. What I'm looking at next is the movement of the sun into Aries. So we've got the sun moving into Aries 1 on March 20th, 2022. Um, here we have zero degrees Aries sun, and congratulations, you've made it to the first day of spring. Um, it is definitely a, a, a really interesting turning point when we get to these changing of the seasons. We've gone through this long winter to get to this point. Uh, we, we have to kind of um, individuate at this Aries point. We have merged with the collective through the Piscean process. Um, we, we understand the ocean of consciousness and we understand what is motivating us and what dream we may want to manifest. And now when we get to Aries one, we are trying to establish our own territory and sovereignty. Now, again, this is another Mars ruled Deccan. And I'll, I'll just stop my share for a second just to show you this card and talk about Aries one for a minute. Here's the two of wands. So this is a card that is, it's, we're dealing with the fire element right now. Uh, we are dealing with a card that's called Dominion. And that's an interesting name. And in the research I've done for that, Dominion refers to a figure who is trying to create their own annexed territory, sort of a, a, a colony of sorts. Now we can, we can, um, see that, that when the Rider Waite Tarot deck was created, I believe Pamela Coleman-Smith was British. If I'm mistaken on that, please correct me, but I believe she was uh, from England. During that time period at the turn of the 20th century, you know, we did have uh, the British Empire colonizing a lot of places and um, colonialism was was part of the the shared language of that time. Now we are realizing at the turn of the 21st century, the challenges and the dangers and the downsides of colonization. Um, so I wanted to preface what I'm going to talk about with this card with realizing that this card is a product of its time and 
how can we kind of shift our our understanding of it but it's called dominion so if we understand that it, that from a colonization type of process we are trying to establish our own sovereignty our own individual point of consciousness like the sun would do the sun has moved into its exaltation in aries where it's 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 a very um it's powerful place for the sun the sun wants to individuate the sun wants to become a singular point of consciousness and in aries that that energy is very focused so we may be rejecting that which is not us we may be rejecting the collective and saying this is me and creating conflict like austin Coppett calls this deck in the axe so we're we're using mars's weaponry to cut away from the collective to become an individual eventually to to infuse our individual consciousness into a body in taurus and unify with the body now remember i've talked about this with with scorpio too uh this the, the mars energy in scorpio is to separate from a body to return to consciousness and the collective so here we're using the severing energy of mars to infuse consciousness into a body does that make sense the difference between the two and dimphy is saying that she was uh pamela coleman smith was british uh and her nickname british and black and her nickname was pixie that's cool well pixie uh, has a really interesting deck that she made here and i'm very excited that uh i really love her art and learning more about it um i have this book here that i haven't dived into completely i've, I've looked at bits and pieces which is called the secrets of the wider rider rider weight smith deck or the, the secrets of the weight smith uh, and it talks a lot about um pamela coleman smith uh and hopefully i'll be able to dive into that as you can see i'm surrounded by stacks and stacks of books <laughs> so i tend to be a, a venus and gemini type of reader where i will take bits and pieces from multiple sources and then eventually uh just try to distill them down into usable essence um, with the square to my my Jupiter and my Saturn and my Mars in Virgo. So it's very rare that I'll read a book cover to cover, um, unless it's like a work of fiction or something like that. But there definitely are some that I would like to, to read cover to cover here. So back to Aries, separating, creating our own territory, individuating after our spiritual union in Pisces, the seed forcing its way above ground, that takes force, that takes energy, um, creating identity, rejecting that which you are not, severing the umbilical cord is an, an image that Austin uses in his book, 36 Faces. It's very yang energy. We have this yin energy of Pisces. Now we have this yang energy of Aries, raw power of force, a lack of subtlety potentially in the, with this Aries sun. So we're, bit, we're ready to go. We're ready to like, we're ready to fight for our right to be, right? So let's take a look at the chart and see what we may be experiencing during this Aries one period. So the first thing that we have on the 21st of March is Mercury making a conjunction with Saturn. No, Jupiter, sorry. We already had the Mercury-Saturn conjunction at the very beginning of the month. So now on March 21st at the spring equinox, we have Mercury making a conjunction with Jupiter. Now, who is more powerful in this conversation? Definitely Jupiter. Jupiter is in its home. It's in its own decan. Mercury is in its exile and in its, in its fall. So this may be a time where our thinking gets 
extra, extra watery, uh, extra metaphorical, uh, figurative language and intuitive thinking. We're maybe super optimistic, uh, where we, you know, fall prey to the the overconfidence or the exaggeration that that emotional coloring can do when Mercury is in Pisces. So be careful of that. The other thing that might be beneficial is you may be able to communicate your dream. You may be able to put words to it, right? When we had the 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 vision coming together with the Kazemi of the Sun and Jupiter earlier in the month, we might not have been able to communicate what that would look like, but maybe Mercury will help us to verbalize it, even if it's in dream language like poetry or metaphor. Okay. So this is an interesting moment at the at the very end of the month here. If I move forward, we're in the last, uh, we're in the back nine here, folks. Thank you for sticking with me if you're still here today. <laughs> Appreciate all of you. Uh, and March 22nd, we have a, 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 the beginning of our, of our challenging, some real challenging energy. I mean, actually, this is, would, was starting at the full moon, but this one looks a little bit gnarly to me. This is one of the more difficult aspects of the month. And I could see this, this playing out, this Mars squaring Uranus from 12 degrees of Aquarius with Mars to 12 degrees of Taurus with Uranus. Uh, this, this could be an explosive uh, energy, unexpected conflicts and separations, um, probably based on principles and ideals. Now, because Mercury has just made its contact with Jupiter, the danger of misunderstandings is really, I think, great. And that's why my, my preaching for this month is don't make assumptions. This is one of the four agreements, right? Get clarification. Ask questions. Um, don't think that you have to know everything. It's okay to not know something, right? Um, this is one of the dangers of Jupiter placements in Pisces and Sagittarius is you think uh, you, the, the faith can, um, having faith in something that isn't real sometimes, um, getting attached to a, a philosophical position without questioning it, some skepticism is healthy. Uh, you know, too much is unhealthy, but a little bit can, can really uh, get you out of some sticky situations. So I would say that the, the problem we were having with this Mars squared Uranus, in addition to Mercury making a conjunction with Jupiter, is that we, we may not be asking the questions, and that may lead to some misunderstandings that lead to a, a, a separation. So your anger might boil over at a certain situation and disturb your routines at this point. Um, and it may be through frustration about wanting to transition to a new stage of your life. Now, one of the things I've been talking about with my family, especially as we, as a family, transition to having an adult um, child versus a, you know, a, a, a minor, you know, is the lesson of being okay with being in the in-between phase. So I have a senior in high school right now who's very much looking forward to being in college. And sometimes we have to make sure that we're not looking ahead so much that we miss out on what's happening in the present. Like, for example, if you, if you are a high school senior, you still have to do the work of your final semester of high school uh, without getting too absorbed in what could be happening in the future. Or 
you could jeopardize that future. So being comfortable in the liminal space that is represented by the second decan of Aquarius, the transition point, is important to resolve some of the conflicts that we may be experiencing here. So realizing you don't have to have it all at once, you don't have to make it to the other shore, enjoy the journey would be what I would say with this. All right, if we move forward to the 23rd, the next aspect we have is a, a, a sextile, uh, nope, a conjunction between Mercury and Neptune. Okay, so again, the sun took its turn conjoining Neptune where we become aware of what we're willing to sacrifice for. Mercury conjoining with Neptune, maybe that we're starting to discuss what we're willing to do or not do for our beliefs and our ideals. This is happening on a fixed star called Markab, which is the saddle of Pegasus, which is actually a stabilizing place within the, the third decan of Pisces. So I think this is a great time to ask those questions, to get that clarity, to make sure that you're not making assumptions because your mind could be colored by illusion around this period of time, by irrational thinking. Um, it's important to maintain hope. If, you're, if you had a really difficult Mars Uranus square and you had a conflict and a separation, remember that Elpis represented the hope in Pandora's box. If, if something happens in your life where Pan, all the ills of Pandora's box is open and there's all this stuff happening around you, maintaining your hope is a really important thing around this period of time. Um, it may not be easy. It may take a lot of mental and emotional discipline, but that's part of the process. It's okay to have a good cry without um, losing yourself in escapism as well. Because here's what I've learned about escapism, and I've, I've been guilty of it, whether it's through either substances or through art or through video games or food, you name it. Um, reality will clap back much stronger afterwards, and it always does. It always does. And if you maintain your equilibrium when you're going through a challenging time, you can lessen the pain of return because there always will be a return when you go off into these, these far corners of the imagination and the mind and you try to escape reality. All you're doing is setting up a more painful return to it. And I learned that the hard way. I learned that in a very, some very difficult circumstances early in my life. So I try to stay grounded and I try to stay balanced uh, as much as I can. It's not easy. Uh, we all fall short of the glory, but again, a little bit of that can go a long way so that the pain of reality doesn't uh, come in, in full force. Uh, and a little bit of attention can go a long way. One little example I always like to use is just, I used to be a really, really bad at managing my money. Um, I was not paying attention to what I was spending, what was coming in, what was going out, and I would routinely overdraft my, my, my bank account. And... Uh, because I wasn't paying attention, the force of the reality was very strong when I had to like pay off these overdraft fees and all this stuff. So I started paying attention to my budget. And by paying attention, that makes it so that a little bit of attention, which is a little uncomfortable, but not it's just not that bad when you get used to it, will save me from having to pay a lot of attention that's painful. So again, balance is the key. 
All right. Moving along. March the 25th is when we get to our last quarter moon. So I'm going to back up here. Here's our last quarter moon on March the 25th. It happens at four degrees of Capricorn and four degrees of Aries, respectively, from the sun and the moon. Now, last quarter moons are existential crises. Like when the moon's waxing, we're bringing something into form. So at the first quarter moon, we talked about maybe having too many different directions, too many ideas about bringing our idea into form. Now, at this point, we're having the existential crisis of, of you know, where are we going to plant our seed? Where are we going to uh, create our own, you know, colony, I guess? I, I hate using that word now. There's got to be a better word for it. Where are we going to create our own garden? All right, I like that better. Where are we going to plant our gardens and become our own individuals and our own sovereign selves? Because the first decade of Capricorn is really about weighing the pros and cons of, of a physical location. So that's probably going to be some of the things you're experiencing, whether physically where you want to, you know, plant your plant your seed or your garden, or metaphorically, what goals do you want to, to uh, initiate and what are the advantages and disadvantages materially of those of those goals themselves. So take your time, realize you don't have to have it all figured out that this is a waning moon cycle. This will help you release old beliefs and old attachments to old places so you, you can move forward at the upcoming Aries new moon at the beginning of April. Okay, where are you going to establish your sovereignty? Now, the same day, March the 25th, we have another uh, synodic event. And here we're seeing Jupiter making its heliacal morning rise as it separates from the sun. So you can see Jupiter here at 19 degrees of Pisces, and the sun at four degrees of Aries is a 15 degree arc of distance. So now Jupiter will be visible again in the sky. So the, a lot of the things that we've been talking about with Jupiter and our wishes and our dreams and our hopes, we may actually start seeing some of them manifest because Jupiter is visible now. It's not just gonna be a wish or a dream, it may be, we may be surprised and be like, whoa, that happened quick. And I didn't even have to do a ton to it. I just had to make the intention and look at what, what spirit brought me. You know, so that there may be an aha moment around this period of time with that, especially related to the Pisces and Sagittarius area of your chart. In this Sagittarius, arbitrary Sagittarius, <laughs> this arbitrary Sagittarius rising chart has uh, a first house and a fourth house connected by Jupiter. So all you Sag Risings out there may have a sense of identity that is related to maybe a, a, a something to do with your home or your family of origin or a, maybe a new house or something like that. And you're like, oh, I can be a, my new self in this new place. You know, and you may start to see the results with that. So that's just one example of, of what we could be seeing, the dream manifesting. Um, and your abundance maybe start to become visible too. Maybe you made some wise investments around the Jupiter Kazemi that are now paying, paying off or bearing fruit. So that's something to consider on the 25th here. All right. On the 26th, just another minor aspect, we have Mercury sextiling Pluto. 
So maybe some healing conversations, some deep insight uh, and realizations about the power structures in our life and what we are or are not willing to sacrifice for um, to to manage our lives as well. Okay, I I think that third deck in Capricorn is all about properly uh, utilizing the right amount of, um, you know, force and the right amount of, uh, you know, gentleness in a position of power. So there's, it's got to be balanced. Can't have, uh, can't be a pushover in, in a position of authority, but you also can't be a dictator or you will, your position will be threatened. Um, and you won't be a good service. You won't be a good leader or in service of the people that you are serving. You know, people who are doing leadership roles well are considering what community they are serving. And this is, again, I talked about this at length with various people over the last few shows with talking about my daughter being a a librarian and wanting to be a, a leader within the library system, but also having it completely attached to how can she most serve her community? How can she utilize her position um, and her ability to, to work within the, whatever the bureaucratic system is that she finds herself in to be of service to her community? So that may be questions that we have with this Mercury sextile uh, Pluto as well. Now, on the 27th, this is the, the last conversation Mercury is going to have before it moves into Aries. So you can see on the 27th and the 28th, Mercury is going to be moving into into Aries, and our our thought processes will start to get clearer. Uh, it gains dignity by becoming a little bit neutral, I guess, and not being in its exile or its fall. We may have some some new innovative ideas. Uh, our thinking becomes more independent and less colored by the collective and by our emotions. And we may have some heated conversations as we attempt to differentiate. So again, utilize your words uh, wisely. Try not to express yourself in a way that's too rash, that, that burns too many bridges. It's okay to um, advocate for yourself, but do so in a way that keeps your maybe your relationships intact, I think, with Mercury moving into Aries. Now, on the 28th as well, we're going to be seeing uh, Venus conjoining Saturn at 21 degrees of Aquarius. So again, as Mercury is moving into Aries, Venus is going to be having its its own moment, and eventually it, Venus is going to be at the bending of the nodes, just like the Sun and Mercury were earlier. Okay, so Mer- Venus is going to hit a potentially a frustration point, um, maybe even butting its head into a, a a idealistic brick wall, a glass ceiling, if you will, uh, where it will very much desire to move on into the unknown. So there is a, a, a transition or a crisis point or a choice point, a crossroads with Venus um, meeting up with Saturn and maybe potentially de- uh, being necessitating an ending or a moving on. And we're going to have to make a choice around this period of time. So relationship choices or endings, to stay or to leave, moving on, embracing the unknown, a reckoning of sorts, potentially even coming together temporarily so that you can create something new. The Deccan with Aquarius 3 is Osiris. And Osiris was the Egyptian 
God that was split up into many different pieces by his jealous uh, brother-in-law, Set. And his wife, Isis, had to put them back together temporarily so that they could copulate and, and she could give birth to the new leader, Horus. And then eventually Osiris had to, you know, he lost his body and went into the underworld and was the, the god of the underworld. So a temporary union to maybe move on, maybe part of what we're seeing at the end of the month here. Okay, I think we're, we're, getting, we're closing in on the two-hour mark if we haven't hit it already. So I am going to wrap this up and let's talk a little bit about the I Ching and maybe a little bit more on the camel. And then we'll be through the month of March. Thank you all for hanging out with me today. Um, again, before I get to that, if you're really enjoying these videos, hit that like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you want to make a material donation to the work I'm doing here. You can do a super chat or a super sticker in the chat with that little dollar sign, or you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. You're really buying me the time to do all this research and, and all of those things, and you're helping me with uh, these book stacks <laughs> that are putting me in the poorhouse. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for the support that you give me on this channel, and I uh, really appreciate all of you. And even if you're not giving me material support, I appreciate the support of your presence um, that means so much to me. Attention is a commodity in these times. So thank you so much for being here today. So let's talk about the hexagram that I received uh, for this month of March. I always ask for every new moon and full moon and monthly that I do, what is the essence of this month? You know, what can we do? How can we utilize this energy in the right way? So the we talked a little bit about the camel. And the camel talks about reserving your energy uh, taking a journey, being of service to others, resiliency in harsh climates, we talked about that. Being adaptable, like remember we had the, the, the camel had all these adaptations that helped it survive in a very harsh desert environment. So looking to yourself for empowerment and not necessarily needing outside approval for everything that you do, right? That, that's another thing that we may have these external battles about and these disagreements with the squares with Uranus, but we have this reserve of strength that we can draw upon when, when the sun is in Pisces and we have all these Piscean planets. And eventually, we will be able to utilize that inner strength to make a new start, a new individuating start when the sun moves into Aries. So self-reliance, uh, don't waste your energy. Build up your reserves during Pisces period. Some battles aren't worth fighting. Um, the Piscean way sort of is about an indirect way. It's, it's really not about meeting conflicts head on. It's like moving around an obstacle, like water, like, like moving around the rock after taking your time to build up, to become big enough to flow around it. Uh, my dad's a Pisces, and he, uh, that's the way he deals with conflicts, is, is avoiding them. <laughs> like, I love you, Dad. <laughs> you know you do that. Um, but um, there's wisdom in it. And the wisdom of being able to, to uh, you know, utilize your spiritual strength for, for things that really matter, for conflicts that really matter, you know, and being able to um, not get involved in all these petty things. Like, you know, that's, that's the thing that I really appreciate about my dad is he doesn't get involved in all these petty conflicts and, and things like that. And um, utilize that energy with the camel in your life, too especially if you're carrying a heavy burden. 
and realize that you can carry it. That's, that's, that's the thing about camels. They can carry great weights across many, many miles. So that may be something we're experiencing as well. All right. So the hexagram that I got for March is number 53. So hexagram number 53 uh, is roughly translates. And I, I, I write down a lot of the translations from my favorite book on the I Ching. I, I look at a, many different translations, but my favorite is The Laws of Change by Jack M. Balkin. And you can find that at a bookstore near you. So he talks about this hexagram translating to developing gradually, gradual advance, slow and steady development, progress step by step, uh, faithfulness, persistence, endurance in relationships. Hexagram 53 tells a story of a wild goose kind of uh, nearing the edge of a cliff. And wild geese, they, they mate for life. Uh, there was also a, an association with this hexagram of choosing to marry will, will bring good fortune, choosing to commit to something. Uh, and it's moving to the hexagram number 44, which is interesting. 44 translates to temptation, encounter, a brief encounter with something, a coupling of opposites, two ships passing in the night, hidden dangers, the beginning of corruption, and the necessity to nip problems in the bud. So we need to allow things to, to develop gradually during this period of time while keeping an eye out for the corruption that may happen, especially with maybe some of the Pluto placements that are happening over the course of the month. Um, and we can't get tempted by trying to manifest the entire dream all at once, trying to close the gap before we're ready, we have to do the work. We have to do the work to bring the dream into manifestation. And sometimes the dream isn't going to look exactly like we originally intended. So again, lessons for this talk today. Essence is more important than form. Form can hold a similar essence, but it's changing, it's impermanent. Um, we have to do the work to be able to, to move from point A to point B. There's two changing lines with this hexagram. Line number two says, the wild goose gradually approaches the cliff, eating and drinking in joy and contentment, good fortune. So that's a pretty positive line that we have here. So I wrote down that after initial difficulties, you've reached a more secure position. This is a time of peace and harmony. Share your good fortune with others. So make sure if you do have something good that happens to you with this Jupiter-Sun conjunction and all that energy, that you're generous with what you've received because that's a great way to make those resources multiply by sharing your good fortune with others. And then line number four says, the wild goose gradually approaches the tree. Perhaps it will find a flat branch, no blame. So a flat branch is a temporary resting place uh, within the, the, for the goose, it's a safe harbor so we may have some temporary setbacks in our dream, but that require us to be flexible and adaptable like the camel, right? Uh, and we need to gather strength and, and build our reserves while we're in this oasis of Pisces so that we can prepare for the next advancement. We may not find ourselves in a permanent position during the Piscean time, but we're gathering the spiritual strength so that we can use that energy and that yang energy that we built up through our yin acceptance to push through the soil and start to blossom and watch our dream blossom in material form as we move into Aries and then Taurus season. All right. So that's what I've got for you all today. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm checking the chat box here. Rachel is saying, well, thank you for all your time. 
and also being very generous with sharing your personal experience and wisdom. Thank you, Rachel, for being here and sharing your time with me. That means so much to me. Uh, Dimphy says, thank you so much as well. Really enjoyed it. Grateful for you sharing personal things. I have a, uh, a decennium of caring for and looking after and nursing and letting go as well. Yeah, we're all, everybody is going through things. You never really know what someone's going through, especially with social media and the, the image that people present. Um, my life's not perfect. I have challenges in my life. And I think that the more vulnerable that we are with one another and that we, um, you know, release the facade and, and take the veil down, the more human it makes us and the more relatable we can, we can be with one another. Uh, Dimphy also says, after this, I'm going back to study with the perseverance of a camel. <laughs> nice. Are you still reading Greek and Latin classical writers? Uh, have a wonderful weekend. Yeah, Dimphy, I've, I've been doing all sorts of research for my Deccan webinars where I am doing research into the classical writers. Uh, I have a number of sources over here. The, the newest book I have is Macrobius, um, Commentary on the Dream of Scipio, which is a great book. It talks a lot about you know, Plato and, and his vision of the universe and the planetary spheres. Um, I always draw upon authors like Hesiod and Pseudo Apollodorus when I do my Deccan webinars as well. I really like the website theoi.com, T-H-E-O-I.com, which is a compendium of source texts where really the reason I use that one specifically is a lot of the, they've done the hard work of digitalizing it. So I can just pull a quote from there and, and just copy and paste it into a, a, a into a like a, a teaching material. Um, I still do type out stuff that they don't have, um, but it's really a great resource for if you're looking for um, source text. Okay, um, Rachel says, my dog just joined. <laughs> we both love meditating on the guidance of the I Ching. Well, welcome, Rachel's dog. I'm. Uh, we're not only an international crowd, but we're an interspecies crowd here today. So welcome, um, my fluffy friend. If you If you do follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I do make announcements for my stuff, but I also love sharing animal videos and funny animals and stuff like that. I, I really am an animal lover and you'll see videos of my two cats. I have two Maine Coon uh, mix cats, two big fluffy boys that do silly things. So I'll post about them every once in a while in my stories as well. Uh, Tanya is, Gerardo is saying, thank you very much for sharing your essence and fortune of wisdom. Thank you, Tanya, for being here today and sharing as well. Uh, thank you, Lynn, for your kind comments. Age of joy. Thank you for being here. Um, Rachel and Dimphy, thank you so much. Um, again, remember, Deccans of Pisces coming up uh, the 12th of March. Coupon code Pisces20 to save 20% until the 1st of March. There's also a bundle available that you can sign up for Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, and I'll send you the replay files for the previous two. The uh, standalone um, files are in the store, spencermichaud.com. And um, again, thank you so much for being here with me today. Please, please, please do me a huge favor if you're still with me. Please like this video so that we can get this message and these videos out to more people. Please subscribe to the channel if you're not and sign up on the Spencer Michaud newsletter if you're not on there. That's a great way for us to stay in touch and to make us algorithm proof on some level. All right, my friends, that's what I've got for you today. Uh, remember to be kind to one another, and most of all, be kind to yourself through through all the transitions of, of form within your own life, and I'll see you the next time. Take care. Peace.